Yeah, because I was I didn't even think anything of it other than like, oh, butcher, Billy Butcher. It's just like a fun play on words. But yeah, now that you're thinking about it, like, I wonder who is the baker and candlestick maker. <laughs> yeah, well, the the normal nursery rhymes has like the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and this avoids all those. So that's why I think it's characters. Candlestick maker seems like wouldn't wouldn't that be lamplighter in this case? Yes, yes. Um, although it's. That would be like a what would be the right term of like ironic maybe. Well, you you could argue <laughs> for Baker too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a little bit of both of those. Yeah, maybe Stormfront's one of the others because. Well, know. maybe the yeah I would consider maybe the baking, um, possibly the people like the things that are brewing. So I would think some of maybe what happened with Stormfront and Homelander would be a little bit of baking. Speaking of Stormfront, we had a cold open on this one with a Stormfront super fan. I mean, I, I think I could draw some some parallels to paranoid behavior that people sometimes get when they're very invested in a certain outlook, whether it's religious or political or some other kind of strong influence in their life, and they just let it get to the point where it will drive them to violence. Did you see this scene another way? For, for some reason, I've been watching a lot of stuff lately that is dealing in this sort of realm of like social media um, and influence and only being in your little bubble. And I think this cold open just really shows like the time that we're in, unfortunately, to the level of what happened where he kills, you know, thinking that this person was a soup. And it just like is a parallel to like reality of that's what people think, you know, like they believe. Yeah stories and because they're vulnerable in in whatever way or really feel like the videos they're watching the people that are supposed like homelander and stormfront are essentially like american heroes and you would think that what they say because they're superheroes is true and so if you look for those signs in every in your everyday life like this guy does not that i would have done what he did but i can't fault him for maybe thinking especially we see his life is just so mundane and you know he's with his parent he lived with his mom and like just like the same thing and then like think wanting to have a purpose is also a big thing that's what i got from that is like it's just unfortunate and i found it interesting because it doesn't really come back any time during the episode and so i feel like maybe it was just the writing the writers or whatever just making that commentary of like this is a consequence of these actions of like the everyday because we don't really see at least in the show we're not really seeing the um the other side of the coin i guess we're only seeing like the superhero side and like the back end and we're not seeing like you know how it's affecting the actual like population so that was like the first time we saw that i kind of wondered if he was one of stormfront's meme makers because that seemed to be some of the stuff that was on screen at the same time as him i couldn't tell if he was making them or just kind of gobbling them up i think he was gobbling them up yeah because you could see where what you were saying about how 
when you have your mindset in a certain direction, you can find affirmation in, in a lot of a lot of places where yeah. it doesn't actually objectively line up that way. But the way your your brain is working right then, it sure does. And, and the algorithms of the social media things that uh, what is it like reaffirm your affirmation, like what you're thinking. yeah exactly. Yeah. Caroline was just explaining to me what she learned watching that social dilemma. Yeah, that's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, seriously, it's like trippy. And then I saw another, um, I saw another show, and it's like dealing with that as well. And I'm like, oh my, why am I all like? It feels like it's just telling me, like a, a sign telling me, like maybe I shouldn't be on social media that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. If you're a podcaster. Uh. <laughs> I know we gotta be on it, but like we gotta just deal with it and find a healthy balance. But yeah, it, and the music that they played as well—I forgot what song it was—but it just was a, very haunting in a way. Like it showed that they took some care to portray this because I know it, it is kind of mimicking some things that have played out in real life. I think they were trying to be, I don't know, respectful of it in a way, like not trying to make it um, where maybe people would copy it or just like kind of commenting on the consequences of it, but. I guess also if you're in a different, if you're, if you're in a mindset, like it could be taken in different ways. For sure. I mean, the most direct line I thought was like you said, they, they avoid him saying super terrorist, but that same behavior happened about 20 years ago after 9-11. People kind of not feeling very comfortable around people of certain backgrounds. And mm -hmm. I think this was just a mirror of that kind of, mm -hmm. kind of thinking. Yeah. But it just stands alone. That's what makes it a cold open. Just stands alone and doesn't get referred to or anything later in the episode. It just kind of sets the stage for how people at large, their their psyches are working, diminishing, falling apart uh, out there in the world of the boys. I, th I think it also helped show... Um like Stormfront's crusade um, and how she was using or is using the media to kind of get across her message that we just learned in the last episode of like her being a Nazi and wanting to take over, probably using, you know, certain kind of people to take over and, and right. get rid of other people. So that was a, also a way to kind of incorporate all the little sound bites of hers that kind of mimic also real world stuff. <laughs> if you were a Stormfront fan at the beginning of the season and she was that Instagram camera obsessed person that seemed to be looking for followers and that sort of stuff. And the message she was saying about not trusting Vought and all that kind of stuff. And then here she has a major twist in her message where she's aligning with Homelander at that rally that they were holding. And the message sounds a lot different. I wonder, again, is that mirroring the same kind of thing where people fall in love with a personality and even when that personality starts saying different shit, people just keep going with that personality that they liked. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe that's like step one in possibly like manipulation. <laughs> um, and I hate to word, use the word grooming, but like that sort of thing is like you, you, you prep people so they can fall in love with you or, you know, like go with you on stuff that seems reasonable. And then you slowly and like her... Like she has, she built the following. I think they do like her. She's like, you know, seemed like she was like the feminist, you know, like really progressive of the superheroes. And then she's now like, I guess not slowly because this was pretty direct of what they wanted to do in like the rally with Homelander. But it would make me feel because I think there has been those instances, I guess, 
just with revelations that have come out, um, like, I, I guess with like celebrities and things. And it does make you feel like I've been a fan of them for so long, like with their work. But then, you know, this like one thing that you don't really agree with. Do you continue going with her and like being a fan of hers or do you and just kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm like drinking all that Kool-Aid, but like I'll take a sip, you know, and, and <laughs> right. Um, but then does that make you complicit in it as well? Like, cause I know in my regard, like of like celebrities who've like, we've learned that they've done kind of bad things or like suppose, you know, been accused of bad things. Then when I want to like watch certain things that have them in it, I'm like, oh, does this make me part of, you know, like, so I go, that's the only way I can relate to this instance of like that question, because it's, it's kind of a mind fuck, I guess, if you thought about a person one way and then you realize this but then you still want you still have those feelings and they don't just go away like unless she's saying something really horrible and like she's saying it in a way that is still very her but she's just saying some like weird stuff well yeah i mean her first message is be skeptical of vaught and then her new message is we need more soups well who makes soups yeah we need more compound v (laughs) right I guess if if you used a long enough timeline, you could find people in positions of power and influence that do that all the freaking time. Like yeah. that's the thing about repeating history, right? <laughs> yeah, you're bound to like get it right. <laughs> Just circle, like cycle it uh, every few years. <laughs> so let's move on to Homelander and Stormfront. You know, they have that rally, and then they reminisce about Stormfront's baby who uh, is the old woman in the picture. Um, And that leads us to Ryan, Homelander's kind of son. And I'm starting to form a new hypothesis that I would like your opinion on. Okay. Is Homelander actually just the conduit for Stormfront to get to Ryan, knowing that he's the first natural-born superhero or super-powered person? Is Homelander just kind of like a means to that end? Is Homelander at some point going to be disposable because, you know, he's a grown man. He's got his own opinions and all that kind of stuff. I know we've talked about the idea of she's going to take him down for one reason or another. We didn't know what it was. But now I'm wondering, now that she has Ryan basically in hand, is that the trigger? If we're we're thinking Stormfront had this whole plan um, and she befriended um, Homelander, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Maybe the befriend is the wrong word. But, um, <laughs> he sort of manipulated him to get to the point that where he needed her to help, and then like basically fell in her hands or in her. Um, so um, I think that it, it's like the perfect like she. If we were talking about manipulation, like she's done like one like the one on one on manipulation, and I can't help but think that she already knew about Ryan. And it seemed very odd that she would point out a baby and be like, oh, that's how my baby was 80 years ago. <laughs> like, like it, was, <laughs> it seemed like she was kind of just baiting him to hopefully where he would trust her enough to show her Ryan. And then the fact that she meets him and says, that means you're the first natural born uh, superhero. Like, that's a very odd thing for someone to say. And yeah. the fact that she is a Nazi and, you know, everything with that is very like, hmm, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think if she wants to sort of continue her quest of, you know, ridding uh, the, the world of certain people and also not depending on Vought for Compound B, you know, because that's something that has to be made and like manufactured and, and it's not proven to be really effective. Obviously, she's doing those experiments at Sage Grove so or overseeing them. So she knows how that's kind of not really progressing probably the way quickly as she likes. So if she sees that Ryan 
you know, they can make soups just by like, you know, getting together. I think that would be her ultimate goal in kind of like perfecting her race, right? Of like superheroes. And he's proof you can do it. So of course, like I think she would want to take him and maybe experiment on him in ways like and since he's younger as well, he it's easier than Homelander who's already an adult has like he's already kind of fucked up. Um, <laughs> you know, like Ryan also is very like new, so take him away early enough and you can kind of get him going. So I feel like it's just Stormfront like messing with Homelander. And I, I do think like we're going to have to see and I don't know how long they're going to like jump in time if I don't know if they're going to do that in, in the boys at all. But it has been alluded to like he has all this power. We don't really know what he can do. And so if he was born a superhero and not like made into a superhero, like is he more powerful than Homelander if he eventually gets taught to use his power or like, you know, discovers it. So she could be maybe thinking like he's actually the one that can like if she's kind of like immortal in a way or lives longer, like she'll probably be he'll probably be the one to like continue her quest, you know? I mean, the boys is an everything's on the table kind of show, right? I don't even know that I would gasp or clutch my pearls if her ultimate plan was to see about Ryan eventually, you know, making a baby with her <laughs> because that's the way she would think. Just yeah. got to wait a couple of years before he's ready. That's not out of the realm of boys for me. No, I think she probably has thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> or even probably in the short run, maybe the Homelander thing, like, you know, maybe their sexcapades are hopefully she she wants to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what. Uh, yeah, the, the perpetuation of her race is her is her thing. And these are the soups that she seems to like. So, yeah, I, I think I think we're onto something sick and twisted and, and, and close to right <laughs> with what we're thinking on Stormfront's motivations for dealing with Homelander. Cause like I was getting at the beginning, like if you fell in love with her character in the first couple of episodes, that moment when she decides to not keep instigating shit with Homelander, when his eyes go red, she became a very different character after that in like all aspects, pretty much. I wonder what that means for like Becca and like her having to go and like, what is she going to do? It seems so helpless in a way. Very. When she asked for help with Homelander's random visits, you know, Vought Home Office was like, yeah, we pretty much can't do anything about that. <laughs> now he's stolen his kid. And that's, I think, filed under another thing that they really can't do anything about. If you were Becca, you might have to risk exposing the whole rape and all that stuff in order to, to get him back. But then you'd I don't know what kind of life you'd have after that because they've been keeping you this whole time in their fake suburb. Yeah, she's, yeah, helpless is is probably the only word to describe where Becca is. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't really um, uh, say how I would raise my kid, and especially if I had been raised and then like you had like a Homelander baby and he's just like popping, like, I don't know, there's like more to it than just you having a kid and like raising them and like, you know, not exposing them to certain things and all that. But I, it is a little bit curious, like how she's gone the like completely other way of raising Ryan of like not really exposing him to anything or like not defending, like not preparing him for the world. Like he, what Homelander said about like, Hey, I grew up this way where I was kind of like shielded. And then I went into the world and I like, obviously went, you know, what he is now. And like, he, he didn't really, he wasn't able to fun like he panicked. And I feel like that was kind of true of what might happen to Ryan. And so I wonder if like by trying to protect him, she's hindered him in a way of like, instead of like sh telling him what was actually going on and just preparing him for it. I mean, I was surprised when 
in their argument on the back porch that Homelander's argument actually did have merit. It wasn't yeah. just, yeah, it wasn't just bullshit. Both sides of it, the way he was raised, the way she's raising him, mirroring that. I think that having a, a loving mom is is probably a gigantic improvement over the way that Homelander was raised. I mean, I think you're still probably raising a kid that, that's not going to be able to function independently in a real world setting. But for all we know, Vought's been keeping them in the in their terrarium there with the expectation that he manifests powers and that they would basically take him after that at that point anyhow. Yeah. Because Becca didn't really let him use the powers once they figured out that he had them. Man, that'd be so tough. If you were that kid, can you imagine? Like, you know, your dad can fly. He has all these powers. We just found out that you have some of them. Wouldn't you be like, um, I'd like to try. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, he's so, I mean, it, it, it goes to show like in, in some ways I understand like Becca's point of view of like, she's trying to raise like a really good kid, really caring and all that. But like that just happened. Like it was very realistic. I think where, you know, you, you tell the kid you're lying. I mean, Homelander showed that she was lying to him and like lying no matter what, like, you know, if you, if she had come clean and like said, Hey, blah, 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 you know, like, I don't know, in the kid sense, maybe, I don't know what the kid, um, like explanation could be of like the whole Homelander situation and, and soups and all that and, and where mm, they live. Yeah. That'd be very hard. But I think the fact like she hid it from him and she's been saying like that she's like the ultimate person. I think that is like, where people go wrong and in general you know if like lying is just like no no maybe the actual thing that you're lying about wouldn't be as bad if you were to tell someone what you actually did you know but if you lie about it it becomes like a hundred times worse than what it actually is and one thing that we haven't mentioned is the fact that when he does get upset ryan goes from like zero to meltdown like super fast you know, yeah. like, I hate you. I hate your guts. I hate everything about you. That That's where he goes as his first stop on the crazy train. <laughs> yeah. And that's him being nurtured by Becca in like the best way possible. So if he doesn't really feel those emotions because, you know, he's, he's kind of been a good kid most of the time, but then that's where it goes. Yeah. That's like very, um, that's not a good sign. No, no. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sign that what you're doing right now to show him how to deal with anger isn't what he needs. He needs some other approach. Now, Homelander's approach, we know for a fact, is not the right approach. But that's my that's my final question on this section. Is I mean, are they just taking him to Vought Tower? I mean, and then and then what? Yeah, I, I don't think he. I don't think Homelander's thought it through. I think he thinks the idea of Ryan and having you know um, a legacy probably and being able to teach him stuff that he wishes he would have been taught seems like a good idea at the time. And I think he's also trying to impress Stormfront because she's already kind of um, molded and manipulated him and and what has him right where she wants him. And so I don't really know how the technical aspects will work out with actually taking care of Ryan because he's a kid <laughs> and he's a soup kid, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The hearing was the last that we saw of the soups and Ryan wasn't there for that. And really that ended pretty abruptly. So <laughs> we didn't get a, a full sense of where everybody was headed after that or who survived even. So uh, yeah, big, Big fat question mark. I mean, Vought Tower does not seem equipped to raise kids. Yeah, no. I hope they answer that or what's going to happen with that in, in the finale. Going over to, to Maeve, we get a little follow-up on how Elena dealt with the video. It looks like maybe she spent some amount of time mulling it over 
because it's the pickup scene is not directly after Maeve gets out of the shower. So she's had some time to think about it and she's going to go. Do you blame her for, for that? Do you risking the idea that Homelander might come after her? It seems like Homelander's got other fish to fry right now, but I don't know. There's moments like these, like with Elena and also um, with Huey, that shows that the boys is still grounded in reality um, in, in some ways. Her reaction be the way it was with Maeve and like, I can't believe you, ki- you let those kids die. And, and, and that's what's been going on. And, and um, also her thinking, oh, has this been like, I don't think this is a one and done because probably of how easy it looked, <laughs> how easy they were able to just abandon the whole plane. And I think she just kind of represents that um, sort of human element to it. And um, it reminds me too, because sometimes I'm thinking just like, uh, why would you even care about that? Like you're with Maeve and, you know, super, you know, she's a superhero now and all that. But her reaction, it brought it down to reality, I think, in a way. And I think Maeve, ugh, I don't know how she's, she obviously is not dealing with it really well <laughs> if she went in straight into like a escapade of her own. <laughs> yeah. Um, to kind of like uh, heal her pain. So um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I liked Elena's reaction is basically what I'm saying. Cause I think it, it makes it, I think, I think that maybe this episode in general, cause we talked about the consequences of like the cold open of, of, of the superheroes. And I think most of the time in superhero movies, we don't really see like they go and do all these action scenes and everything. And I remember thinking like in one of those Marvel movies, when they go and destroy a whole city, I'm like, Oh, but what about the people inside the building and that sort of thing? And we don't get to see that very often of like that consequence. And like, maybe this is sort of insight to that of what it would actually be like, uh, like day to day or relationship um, sort of thing. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. And I think her reaction was warranted and it's sad for Maeve. Yeah. I mean, she seems pretty sad. Even, even the random vape fueled sexcapade, notwithstanding, she was crying throughout that whole conversation with with Ashley, and I don't know that she started crying right then, you know? Yeah. Um, it seemed like she was pretty broken up. So the big question about Maeve is, you know, we see her come in later and poison Black Noir to try to save Starlight. We've been guessing all, all along this season that she's got something cooking. She got something in store to to get get out of I don't know if it's get out of the seven or get out of Vaught or get at least get out from under Homelander's thumb. Now with Elena having um, flown the coop, I wonder if she's finally in like all or nothing mode and is ready to go. I mean, yeah, I think I mean she already had motivation to get out or get rid of Homelander in a way um, to be with Elena, and I think now it's probably the same motivation. I mean, the same goal, but just like a different motivation. Cause now it's probably like, Oh, this is because of Homelander. So that Elena left me and, and the seven is why I become the way I am. So I feel like she's going to use that in just like a different way, but still have the same objective of trying to get to Homelander in a way. Cause I think he still has that hold on her, you know, even though he is busy, he does uh, like earlier in the season, he comes back and like, make sure that she knows that like, Hey, I'm watching you. So, I feel like she's still, she has to do something with that in the finale. Why do you think she did go to an allergic reaction for Black Noir? I mean, it kind of adds a silly comic relief aspect to that moment where Starlight is about to die. And Almond Joyce had been uh, mentioned earlier in the season um, as like Starlight's favorite candy bar. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, unless he gets his EpiPen, which they kicked out of his hand, he'll, he'll probably die. Yeah. <laughs> So, and he wasn't at the, at the hearing that I noticed. Did you? 
No, I didn't notice him. I, I mean, I thought like, of course, like I don't, I'm not saying this in like a real world context, but like in the show context of Black Noir, who seems like he's pretty, you know, he's tough and he doesn't go down easily. I thought it was hilarious that like the thing that would bring him down is just a nut allergy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it, that's, yeah, I think it was a little bit of comic relief, a little bit of a tie into the Almond Joy thing uh, from a previous episode. But I also think it made me feel, because I watched it twice prepping for this episode, and I think that it made it seem like Maeve was just done with the shit. She was just like, oh, fuck, like, I'm going to say, I'm just going to save this starlight um, in the easiest way possible because, like, I'm just over it. Like, I'm dealing with a breakup, and she didn't want to deal with the whole, like, fighting with him like in an all all broad to like take him down and it made it also seem like she is literally she is one of the og seven because like if she knew that intimate detail about black noir it seems like she knows a lot you know and she has been there for a long time so it just also made it seem like she's seasoned you know like she's seen a lot is what i'm trying to say like she's been in it for a long long time and i think like she was just over it at that moment <laughs> i wonder if she knows anybody else's kryptonite because I mean that you wouldn't think of of uh, nuts doing someone in, but but we've been reminded that the that the soups have the powers, but then they also have human vulnerabilities too. Yeah, so. um, yeah. I think she. I mean, she knew she used the deep, you know, and so she knew how to get him and manipulate him. So I think she does probably, but she seems to not know what Homelander's weakness is. So. I think she has a, a favor she can call in with Starlight whenever she wants. Not that Starlight is a perfect fit for any kind of brawling, but if you get enough of them, there might be a chance that they could they could do something. But yeah. I do don't you, know. Like, how does she know that like that was going on? Do you think she was like hearing or something, or do you think she was just wandering about and like? And why do you think she even saved her if she's like such in like in a kind of depressed state? They haven't shown us anything like super senses with her, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have them. That just means they haven't worked it into the story. So I wouldn't say that's off the table. It also stands to reason she was just walking around the office because we know that she was home and that's that's where they live. <laughs> so that that could be. And she has shown not... It, it's too sensitive to say like a soft spot for Starlight before, but... You know, like in the very first episode when she advised Annie to not ever let them see her look with like her makeup running or clean, you know, yeah. par partially cleaned up or anything like that. It's not a soft spot exactly, but it is trying to pay it forward in a way like maybe she, she wished she would have someone would have told her maybe maybe that's the extent of it. Yeah. Not really like I want to be your big sister, but. I can see that you're going to make some of the mistakes that I did and I can stop at least that. Yeah. But that's all I got. <laughs> on, on that. Yeah. Maeve's been one of those characters. Like we haven't seen so much of her. So I hope this is like maybe a turning point where we'll get more of her. And I wonder what her role will be in the finale. Yeah. I sure hope it's not a final finale for Maeve. Cause I liked getting to know her and there's a lot of parts of her that I, identify with even as mortal paul and um <laughs> and i highly appreciate so i hope there's just not like an end to her story right away but finales do do stuff i mean uh look at poor shockwave <laughs> didn't even get a story right uh shock you mean lamplighter no no shockwave he he got his head popped in the final scene he was part of the oh, seven 
yes, 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 yes. Yeah, he, yeah. So that was done, one and done. <laughs> <laughs> right, he was all Not even over. Done. It was just like none. <laughs> you know, it's funny the that scene with Alistair where he comes in and says, "What do you think about Eagle? Have you ever been, have you ever been at work where your boss comes and asks you that question, and their intent is to find out can we actually get along without this guy?" And um, so you give your politically correct answer, and then they say exactly what Alistair said, which is. We need to get rid of him. And then all of a sudden your tune is like, well, yeah, I suppose we could do his job totally. It's no big deal. <laughs> I haven't yeah. I haven't done that exactly shittiness, but I've been in that in that meeting before and it is a shitty meeting. Yeah. I think I've had versions of that. And I think I've even like just to get um like, you know, maybe someone that I've been kind of like, you know, is kind of shady or um you but you know that they're friends with other people or like that you genuinely like and like you're like oh like do these people actually like this person so like i've done that you know like those questions of like oh what do you think you know and then like if i hear any like um hesitation i'm like then you jump in you know um <laughs> kind of, like uh really dive into it but like and then i've been on the other side of that too yeah where people like and you're like oh am i supposed to answer like how i really want to answer or just kind of keep it like um the deep was but yeah that was funny i liked a train's peace offering the the goldfish <laughs> that, that seemed genuine. I don't know if that's part of like the brainwashing or whatever, but seeing these two kind of lesser heroes kind of band together and and I don't know, I don't know if they're if all their efforts are for evil in the in the end game here or what, but something about seeing them get over the fact that they actually didn't like each other before is is kind of nice. Yeah, it is, and but I also think like it just seems a little sad, like that. I think. I really liked A Train's character, even though, like you know, he ended on a kind of a bad note in the first season. But in this season, I, I've liked he hasn't really had like he's going down a bad arc. So I guess maybe I'm feeling empathy for him. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and so I kind of am wondering like where he's going to go, uh, you know, in the finale if he if it's just like done. But obviously, there's some sort of redemption for either the Deep or A Train or possibly both, like Alistair alluded to with the meeting with Stan Edgar. So um, I do think though he's definitely not buying into the bullshit or the he's not sipping the kool-aid that alistair is giving the fresca, the fresca, the fresca. <laughs> so um i think he's drinking it with pretending to drink it and then like, throwing it out you know right um, and he he just needs something from alistair which is getting back into the seven so he's playing the game but um he knows there's some shit going on especially with what happened with um you know um was it hawk or is it is eagle Eagle. Yeah. So I, I think that made him like kind of skeptical because he's like, oh, well, that could happen to us. You know? Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. So I think he he is going in very. What, what is it like with one eye open or I don't know, sleeping with one eye open or something. Cause I think he knows like this is either going to go well for me, but if it doesn't, it's going to go like it did for Eagle. And I think the deep is definitely not thinking any of that. He, he's kind of like he's drank all the frescas, you know, and he thinks like it's going to go well for him. And I think that's a bad way to. You know, A Train's kind of seeing it for what it is. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm the last person on the on planet Earth to to recognize the irony in the in the name the Deep because he's just as a personality not that deep. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's in deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, uh, you know, if he gets installed back in the seven, then he's basically Alistair's puppet. We don't know for what. But he will be under Alistair's 
influence and control um, almost for sure because um, mm-hmm. he will view that as like having an, a debt that he needs to pay. Yeah, which we don't, we still don't really know why the Church of the Collective wants to be in the seven, but obviously we can just understand that it's power and just another kind of ploy of whatever they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I would assume it's power unless it's, you know, some sort of complete dismantling or something like that. But I, I would assume power and influence in high places, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but other than that, their story didn't have a whole, whole lot. No, it was mostly like, Alistair just setting up like, hey, I'm going to talk to Stan, which I guess would maybe will happen in the finale. I mean, given the way this episode ends and then all the things kind of that we've been hypothesizing about what this finale should bring um, makes me pretty excited to get to watch it, um, which is the point, I suppose. But but as a, as a reviewer, sometimes you just like plodding through a television uh, season and it's just sort of like, well, I started, so I need to end. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I'm legit excited to see how this goes. Well, I guess we could talk about um, Starlight, who might go into possibly like all the other the boys actually the boys stories. I believe this episode is probably her transition out of the seven it, for real. <laughs> we had guessed that she probably wouldn't be welcome back, but she did not get the uh, message that she shouldn't be seen around Thought Tower anymore. I mean, she gets abducted like right away. And she's not even hiding that that effectively when Black Noir comes and gets her. No, and it's so annoying that it was her mom too, because like I was just thinking, oh, freaking mom, you know, like <laughs> ruined her life, and then like you like you made her get kidnapped. So I was just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I think the the thing that we had a, a, in the last episode was they were filming that the movie, and then Ashley's like, where's Starlight? And so when the mom says, oh, I called Ashley, they're like, okay, and, and then I think that's when it was just like. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's gone AWOL and then Stormfront and um, Homelander wanted her probably out as a scapegoat for their whole campaign. So it's not looking good for her. And I, but I guess she didn't put that together. <laughs> no, she did not. Now she's, I mean, this, the episode ends with her in the, the Haitian King's hideout. So, I mean, her, her, her conversion to boys is, is I guess complete at this point. There's nothing, there's no going back anymore. Unless you want to go back into that box where your powers don't work. Yeah. Uh, she can't go back the way it is right now. I guess my only question, and I think we've already covered it, was just that now that she has a debt with Maeve, will we get a payoff on that? I think that's just going to have to be for the finale. Then let's start talking about the boys. Yay. So Billy had a lot of story in this episode, but a lot of it revolved around his father coming to visit played by John Noble. If you're a fringe fan, you'll recognize him as Dr. Bishop. That takes up a lot of Billy's time in this episode. Mm -hmm. And so my big question to you is why, why this episode, why was it important to get to see dad to not exactly reconcile with him and have it take up all your time in this episode? Why do you think they did that? Whatever normal TV storylines do, like, reuniting with a shitty dad and then you like make up and like if that's like the intent like the boys just does the anti of that (laughs) and so i i I kind of enjoyed that when billy is meeting his dad like there's no like no um redeeming that relationship maybe it was sort of a thing because i was also thinking that um as well like why do they take so much time to um have this go and there was no there was 
really nothing that kind of happened, right? Like, I mean, like in terms of their relationship, like he hates him still. And it was just like a horrible time for him to like have to see him. I think more of the insight to that comes with the mom when like she goes and and tells him like, I'm sorry, but it was for you to see how he is still alluding to he's like still a piece of shit and C-U-N-T and that I think she just didn't want Billy to go down that road because I guess that's what she alluded to right is like maybe that would help you not be such an asshole and maybe that's like something that he needs like a lesson maybe for something that's going to come up later I just that's the only thing I can think of because like we've said before anything that happens in tv is not just there for fun (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not it's funny you say it that way because the only reason I could think of is like pointed at the exact opposite direction because what he did after meeting dad was go and intimidate Jonah, uh, whatever his last name, Vogelbaum or whatever his last name is, and make a pretty serious case that he was going to go and kill his family if he didn't agree to testify in a very believable, sick and twisted kind of fashion where you didn't really want to question his resolve. And that whole meeting with his dad had been that he doesn't regret turning Billy into a hard man. He would not have survived if he wasn't a hard man. And then he goes and does some pretty hard man shit, you know, at Jonah's place. So I saw it like, I don't know. I I don't know. That was my connection was I turned you into a hard man. Then he goes and does that and and kind of proves his dad right in a way. I think I had a question with that for you because when I was watching that too and he was saying that speech to him, it kind of made you wonder like sometimes the things that you hate or not maybe hates a strong word, but possibly I think some people hate their parents, you know, or dislike them for certain things that they did. That I've heard seen, they do. Yeah. Yeah. That you've seen or that you think might've been detrimental or didn't help you or, Hey, you didn't do this for me or blah, blah. But then sometimes, especially like in my own life, I mean, I don't hate my parents, but there's been some things where I'm like, Oh, like, why did you do? And then, but they end up being things like that either make me the person I am today, obviously like I'm a better for it because of those things. And like, if it had happened any other way, I can't say that I would be where I'm at now. And if I like where I'm at now, then you kind of have to not be mad at that. <laughs> like, so I feel like maybe that's what, um, it, I wonder if B- Billy is kind of rec- reconciling with that too. The fact that he's able to do those, like be the badass of his group and that, but knowing that, that it came from having such a shitty childhood with his dad. So would you prefer to have the better childhood, but then you'd be maybe more on the, like the Ryan side. Mm. Um, so it, it's an interesting question, discussion thing in general of like hating sometimes like situations, but then knowing like you had to have those situations. I think a message you could get out of that would be just that, I mean, his dad isn't wrong in the case of Billy needing to be who he is to have lived this life and gotten this far he couldn't have been any softer than he is. I think perhaps uh, his dad's point was, so stop being angry with me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like you don't have to love me, but like, it's like, you have to at least thank me, not not thank him directly, but like in a way, like it's a byproduct of that. That's, that's what I got out of it. Um, If a listener feels like correcting me, then please let me know. (laughs) It seems like it's just like a really fucked up boys kind of thing, right? Like to make you think in that sense of like, the thing that you have to kind of thank him for is also the thing that you is just like the shittiest thing like a father could do to a son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, I think raising your son to be Billy 
outside of a boy's type world, you're raising your kid to be a criminal or a mercenary or someone that is okay with causing physical pain to other people, which is usually, uh, you know, in the fathering handbook considered like a failure. Like you've done a pretty bad job <laughs> uh, outside of raising a soldier or something like that, which is perfectly fine. If you're, if your kid grows up to be a, a knee breaker kind of guy, then that's not so good. Yeah. It's like, and also I think the dad was trying to justify it to himself. Like, see, yeah. you need to be this way. You needed to be this way. And it's like, um, no, you have to reconcile with like, you were shitty <laughs> and you're lucky that Billy at least is using his talents for, I guess one can argue possibly, you know, good, but, um, it's just like, you didn't know that it would come out that way though. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Like a Homelander situation. So, um, yeah, it just seems like it was just a lot of, I, I, I wonder what the final message of that, and hopefully we'll find that out in the finale. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, mom is due to take dad back to jolly old England or wherever they came from. Cause oh, Australia. Is it Australia? All right. I think, or New Zealand. I don't know. I don't know what they're saying he's officially from. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure either. You know, American ears are just like foreign, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's all TV cares about. Uh, at least it used to. Now it's a little more particular. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's trying to do, because he's not doing a New Zealander, or he, he does that, like, kind of staccato, like, that is kind of, like, from somewhere in London. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on that, so people can correct me as well. <laughs> All right. Yeah, or maybe maybe it comes out in the comics, because I haven't read a, a word of the comics. Yeah, me neither. I don't want to be spoiled on plot, but still, little details like that would be good to know. Yep. Huey, then. So he gets, he's he's still recovering from his chunk of metal in his guts. And so he gets given the, the light duty for a number of reasons of, of just making sure Lamplighter stays alive, um, which he does a horrible job doing. <laughs> yes. I, again, in very boys fashion, I love that their analogy of the fact that they're both kind of not useless, but like, you know, just have to stay behind was like in reference to porn. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the cook or <laughs> the fluffer. Right. <laughs> And then when like, and then Huey's like the whole pump up speech of like, Hey, we should go save Starlight. Help me, help me save Starlight. Do something good is like, let's go. F let's be the guy who fucks the wife. <laughs> Eventually. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. So boys. And I love it. Yeah. Very rousing speech. I have, I have that in my notes actually. Consensually. He says. <laughs> yeah. Consensually. <laughs> so building up to that moment in the office there, were there any cues that Lamplighter was was suicidal? He seemed like he wanted to atone and that he wanted to do his bit for the colonel and all that kind of stuff. I had no real indicator that he was going to end his own life. Did you? I said I watched it twice. And I think um, when Huey is convincing him to go to um, help him save Starlight, Lamplighter is the one saying like, no, no, I don't like she's already dead. Like, you know, there's no hope or whatever. And so I think like his intent, like initially it was not suicidal, you know, like because if he had been wanting to do that, I think he would have done it already. You know, he could have just gone outside and, and, and kind of like ended his life or whatever. And so it feels like it must have hit home or maybe hit him when he saw the statue. But the fact that like he didn't he went there right away, like he didn't even take um, Huey to go save Starlight. So I wonder if it's like when he was in the building and thinking, I'm already here. And then that's like when all the emotions poured over him of like, oh, I'm useless. I was going to be somebody, you know, that he was telling Huey um, at the house. Maybe that's when it just kind of flooded him in a way. And he was just like, well, 
fuck it. I don't know. I could go with that. Like he, he did detour intentionally to see the statue and then seeing himself cut out of the statue, which is what they were doing in the premiere of the second season. I think they were cutting him out and cutting Starlight in. Maybe that pushed him over the edge. I think he wasn't intending to do that. I think it just sort of, it all hit him when he saw that. So the rest of it, the rest of that fight, in, or not fight, but all the rest of Huey's story is wrought with a little bit of comic relief with sawing off his hand to use for the security panels and then finding Annie's mom and, and all that kind of stuff. But Huey was busy this week, but I don't really have a whole lot of questions about him or what he was up to. Do you? No, I don't. I, I want, It's curious, though, because I think in this season, I think he has been kind of like, not not on the sidelines, but... He is all always reminded about how I, I don't like using the word useless, but like how he can't really do what the soups do and he can't really do what Billy or milk um mother's milk does, right? Or even Frenchie. Like they have like really legit skills that are, I guess, useful. Um and Huey is seen as a liability because he's more vulnerable. I wonder like the fact that Lamplighter was maybe not like a direct parallel and like the same story that Huey's going through, but Lamplighter chose to end his life because he feels like he had nothing else. And Huey's been kind of down in the dumps and been always on the sideline, but he, I guess maybe this was like a turning point in a way. And like by saving Starlight and her seeing that, like, I don't know, I wonder how that's going to play out as well, because I think he, he was finally able to do something on his own without having to rely on the boys. I think you're onto something there. And I think that it's important that it was, it worked out to be an, ironic twist that in doing so lamplighter killed himself and bringing home annie and annie's mom was not viewed as as a great achievement it wasn't viewed as a win even though functionally for huey it was a big win he didn't give a shit about lamplighter he didn't want him dead or anything but you know if he had to trade annie for lamplighter he definitely would and and ended up doing so Mm -hmm. so i think i think you're on to something that and in boys fashion, it needed to be that he cut his teeth on being a badass, but in, in doing so, nobody appreciated him for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like the, the victory too, is like just going to Vought Tower and not dying, you know, like, like if Huey just doesn't die or at least gets not injured too badly, like that's a victory for him, you know, not necessarily keeping the objective, which was like keeping Lamplighter alive, but Billy will never give him praise for just staying alive because he's like, well, that's like the baseline. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. So we still have a little bit of Frenchie and MM to cover. Did anyone in the world not see the moment coming where Kimiko would start teaching him her sign language? I mean, I thought it was just a matter of time. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. It, it came naturally, right? Because I think he... He was trying to uh, force all this stuff on her in terms of like, you know, um, saving her and all that. And I think he even says like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, you don't have to tell me. And then like when you let someone decide for themselves to show you themselves, that's the moments that like are really beautiful. And I think they did it really uh, nicely when Kimiko was like, oh, like he's proven to be, you know, she knows that he's a good person in in a way. And I think she finally was. Um, ready to kind of open up because if she teaches him her language that just means like she's going to be able to communicate with him and maybe like she wasn't ready for that before to like really talk to someone else yeah and so i think that kind of also shows that maybe she's opening up and and kind of getting out of everything that's happened to her with her brother and, and everything before that too 
So that was just like a really nice moment. I don't have anything like any questions for that, but I just, I was really nice to see them because I, I really like them and I hope they become a relationship. But if they don't, I think it just shows like a really nice kind of like a partnership. Either one works for me. Mm-hmm. Now on to MM. His only job this week was really chauffeur duty for, for the colonel. And my only question comes as just kind of recurring question relating to Mother's Milk is, is this a sign that he's about done on the show? If there was a moment when Colonel advises him to just leave the life, he doesn't need to keep doing this. He could go back with his wife and daughters at any point. He doesn't need to keep going. And he says, no, in a lot of places, the boys breaks with convention, but this is a pretty action movie sort of trope, right? Where mm-hmm. only six more days till retirement. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, everything goes to hell. That's the same sort of message here. I'm just continually worried that MM is is going to punch his clock here in about one week. What do you think? Yeah, because we haven't really lost anybody in the main cast besides like the soup. So, um, or Lamplighter. And, yeah, he barely counts. Yeah, because he was just kind of he was he was guest starring anyway, so we knew he was limited. Um, so I don't know. I really I, I just don't want to like comment on it because I don't want it to happen. <laughs> um, I I hope it's not one of those things where like maybe he has a speech like in the finale and then like he's about to like yeah I'm gonna peace out and go with my you know save my daughter and then it's like his head gets exploded you know like he explodes. So oh yeah. Uh, I wonder who, if they're going to take out a boy, like that's going to hurt. I wonder if they're going to do that to us. And I hope not. I think we're due. I don't know. But the, the to keep the stakes high in the show, I think that's what you got to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's he's one of the side characters compared to, I, you can't lose Billy. You can't lose Huey. Mm-hmm. So that leaves a pretty short list of who you can lose. Yeah, I think it's between like um, Frenchie and um, Mother's Milk because Kimiko can't die, right? No, not yet. If she's like, I don't know, um, like she heals, doesn't she? Isn't that her deal? She she can take a beating and 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 still gets up. I don't know if it's like what kind, what to to what level, but so I would also include her in the list, but I don't know like the soup to soup kind of like who can take out who yet. So. Um, she's a question mark if, if she has like vulnerabilities, but I think from the boys, it may be Frenchie or Mother's Milk. I feel like if they're going to take out one, it would be one of them, especially since we've had Frenchie um, have a lot of arc this season. And like you said, it's like when that happens, <laughs> you're kind of done. So my eyes are on both of those guys as well. So this episode ended with a pretty spectacular head exploding sequence it's the boys. So it has, it straddles this comic ridiculousness with the dead seriousness of people's heads blowing up. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I wonder how many buckets of like fake blood they go through. (laughs) I bet it was like walking dead levels on that one. And do they do like a take cube? Like, I wonder. (laughs) I bet it would take a day to reset, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, we mentioned that Shockwave got his head popped, but so did Jonah, the guy that they were hoping to get the most damning evidence from on, you know, the whole program at Vought. I think including Ryan, including Sage Grove, all that stuff. And so he's he's dead now. They kind of zoomed in on a few people that seemed to be like featured extras, but I didn't notice any of them being um, 
actually, you know, speaking lines are are very important. Did you notice anybody besides Jonah and Shockwave as being previously mentioned in the story at all? I didn't. No, I just <laughs> I noticed um, St- uh, Stormfront and Homelander having a good time just seeing everyone explode. <laughs> Well, there was always, there was always question about if this was one of Stormfront's powers, and she, if it is, she was doing a good job of looking confused about what was happening. Yes, because I would think she would be the one to probably not want this to happen. And also, I mean, we, I, I don't know to the extent, but my other thing was that um, the soup that got away that would had similar um like powers to that but then also like the cia agent she died from this and so she that soup wasn't out then so like it would have to be someone who has like that ability um across you know like maybe there's multiple people who have that like i don't know it seems a little suspect because i went to that one first the soup that was hitchhiking but then it doesn't make sense that she would just like show up at that hearing oh yeah cindy care yeah yeah i think it's going to be a reveal Either someone that we have been seeing has powers that we that we didn't know and they weren't telling us, or it's going to be someone new, uh, which would feel kind of like a cheat. But still, um, we had kind of forgotten about the head popping for a long time, and here it is back again. Whoever's doing it is able to do it a lot. You know, so a lot of times there's that superpowers needing some sort of like recharge or something like it's just taxing to use or whatever but whoever was in charge of this was able to pop you know at least half a dozen heads maybe 10 before they the camera feed cut yeah and also i think the control of it and all like it didn't seem possibly do you think it was random and also i guess our soup to soup we don't know right like did they intentionally not kill Homelander and Stormfront or can they not do it? You know what I mean? Like I'm still um, have questions on like that sort of thing. Those are good questions because they did kill Shockwave and we've had questions about, are there just inherent soup powers? Like we know that Starlight isn't the toughest, but we saw her get thrown around by Black Mar and get up mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. After, after like cracking like marble columns and shit, you know, or <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. I think it's almost fair to assume that that uh, soups have some base level of enhanced endurance, at least, you know, or toughness or something, something of that. But still, Shockwave got his head popped, and and the others didn't. So yeah, it's a it's a great question in terms of were they avoided or were they tried, and the person wasn't able to do it. Or are they part of the cahoots of whoever that is? Or did they hire that person or whatever? Also great question. I mean, Stormfront is crafty enough to have somebody like that in her back pocket. Homelander, his ability to plan and strategize and all that kind of stuff feels a lot more like checkers than Stormfront's chess, you know? Yeah. And I think he's so busy. Like, I don't think he had time to, like, I would feel a little cheated if it was his plan because like he's had so much going on that like, even though he is pretty crafty, like he is dealing with a lot of emotions with Stormfront and Ryan. So I feel like it it would be kind of a cheat, I think in that sense. Yeah. So one episode to go. I feel like they owe us a lot of <laughs> of, of answers and, and uh, action-packed television in the next hour of The Boys. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's see if I can list off some of the things I'm looking forward to. Finding out who the head popper is. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding out what Stormfront's actual deal is. 
And we know she's Nazi and all that kind of stuff. But still, that doesn't really explain the centering in on Homelander and, and Ryan. So I'm hoping we're getting that. And Maeve, I want to see what Maeve is got in store for us because it seems like she's got something. Um, and, I, and I don't know if it's going to work. As far as the boys go, man, I don't even know where they can go because this yeah. this hearing was like the thing. And if that didn't work, then it seems like they're out of bullets. So I guess hoping to see the boys reload with a new plan. It seems like although they have been together most of the season, it always seems like Billy has been pulled away for most of these and they haven't really been the boys in a way except for like the sage grove was like the first time they had been together again for a little while and like the beginning with the whale thing and all that but like i can't help but think they're also setting up some sort of like maybe possible separation in a way um oh okay uh, because like billy is always just getting pulled away you know and and first it was becca and then um you know he he and then his mom calls and like i don't know i think there's all and then he was with like his aunt you know and then i i wonder if like that's something to it you know like maybe it'll be where they're gonna be separated because we know there's a season three coming so i think it's nice knowing that because we can kind of uh maybe allude to like what we need to see in the finale to set up a season three you know like uh-huh. for the, so i i think that's there's always that sort of thing because the opening of this season was they were all together down in the bunker, right? So maybe the third season is like them just being all outcast or something. If if they can't find a new way to like persecute Vought. You know, that makes, I, I mean, that could happen. That definitely makes some sense that, you know, they're in a bad spot now having to live with the drug dealing gang. But they, and believe it or not, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so putting them in that worse spot makes the inevitable climb back to wherever the story is going to end even that much richer. You don't want it to be ridiculously hard for them, but um, you do want it to be believably hard, comic book hard. Yeah, and I wonder um, also what's going to go on. I want to, I want in the finale. I want to see what's going to happen with Ryan. I hope they don't leave that like he's just like somewhere and you know getting taken care of, and then that waits till season three like i wonder yeah. if gonna address that in the finale and then yeah i want to see what happens with mave because i feel like she's just kind of she needs to do something big i think because then why is she there <laughs> is yeah. my thing and if she's kind of the number two in the seven i hope that she's gonna have like maybe showdown with homelander yeah i mean that's comics are page after page of this of the heroes throwing each other around even if they are even if they like each other (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. so i i think um yeah all of that and then also i'm curious to see what happens with um uh, i hope we get a little bit more insight to maybe the church of the collective and the deal with um uh, stan edgar because like he's been absent for a good part of the season I just want to know more about what's going on with that. Like who really is running Vought, you know, like the fact that he, I want, I hope they can sort of mention if he can like sort of say anything about um, Stormfront, given the fact that like, if he knew, if he knows the extent of what she is um, and how that's worked out. Cause like, why would she work with him? So I wonder if it's, if any of that's going to be mentioned as well. And then I wonder if, if the whole thing has been coming down to Stormfront um, plotting this and then we saw her do the rallies. So I wonder what the ultimate, thing she has up her sleeve of like hashing out in the final episode too well like remember last week we had we had said something to the effect of that perhaps stormfront is basically one of the original shareholders in the company and she may have more power 
than Stan Edgar. She may be behind the scenes pulling the strings because she's been there the whole time, you know. Yeah. So uh, that kind of plot twist would be very interesting to get some shed some light on. Yeah, but I'm excited. I think I don't know how you feel, but um, I think season two is done pretty well. Sometimes there's always like a little bit of a sophomore slump, but I think this one. I haven't felt that in a way. Like maybe there were some episodes that felt a little, you know, like there wasn't a lot, but even then they were fun. It's kept the spirit of the first season, but it's still gone off on its own. You know, it's not just relying on everything it did on season one. So I feel like in terms of like a season two, it's done really well. And I hope they can top it off with like a really crazy season finale like they did with season one. Here's hoping. I'm going to find out in a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Chef Online. And we'll see you for the finale. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.